wanted to uh, ask you what kind of, um, to start, uh, what kind of books do you like to read? Well, I like to read a, quite a range of things. I, I love the classics, and I reread those every few years. Jane Austen, um, Homer, um, and I love uh, contemporary suspense. Um, Lee Child is my favorite author right now. I love the Jack Reacher series. And I love um, sapphic fiction, especially the romances. Um, Harper Bliss uh, would be my favorite there. And of course, I like to read um, nonfiction too. Rachel Maddow is a, a wonderful writer and very things that kind of make my blood boil. But um, it's it's really good to see what's happening in the world. I just finished recently um, her book Blowout about the oil company. And um, yeah, so it's kind of wide ranging. I yeah, I like all kinds. Of, do you like poetry? Yes, I do. Adrian Rich um, is one of my favorite poets. Um, and uh, and then there again, I go back to some of the classics, um, Milton and and the Romantic poets, uh, Keats and Word, uh, Wordsworth. I, I'm an English major, so I still have some of those books. Yeah, I love I love. I love poetry. Well, I like all kinds of stuff. It's really interesting. Like um, sometimes I'll be reading a novel and it talks about poetry I'd never heard of, and so I'd have to read the poetry from the, that is mentioned in the novel, especially if it's like from the twenties or the thirties. Like a lot of the poets, even though uh, a lot of poets became very famous during that period, a lot of the poets I'd never heard of. And then there's some poets that I never heard of that are pretty old, like Dunn. I never heard of Dunn before oh. I rode, uh, rode, read Lord Peter Wimsey book. Uh-huh. That's how I just No Man it. is an Island. That's his famous, I think, most famous quote. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I just I I never heard of it, so I started reading. He had, I mean, I've re read some of his preaching, but I'm not really into that. I prefer his poetry. <laughs> I liked I liked um, I, I like his romance. I mean, he loved his wife, and he wrote the most beautiful romantic poems to her. <laughs> I that's what I get. It's hard to get used to. Uh, priests that are married because they're Anglican. <laughs> I was like, oh, he, I thought he was a priest, and then I, oh, he, oh, he's an Anglican. Okay, so that's why he's married. <laughs> you know, I remember uh, uh, that image that he has of his love being like a compass, and how you know the the two pieces of a compass you know lean in toward each other. Um, and the farther away they are, the more they lean. It, it is such a beautiful image. Um, that's one of the few things that have stuck with me from Dunn's poetry. Yeah, it's beautiful. The funny thing is, is that I got curious about it because I, I, I actually, I, a lot of people don't like when she introduced Harriet Vane into the stories, but I happen to adore Harriet. And so when she first came into the books, 
that was one of the things they would like quote uh, have like a running done thing or, or or different poets like they'd have a game where one would quote one person and another would quote another and half the poets that they mentioned I never heard of so I have to look them up afterwards <laughs> Um, and then there was this movie called 84 Charing Cross Road, which had a lot of poetry and yeah. books that I'd never heard of. So, yeah, that helped increase my nonfiction and poetry. <laughs> I love that. That was uh, actually made into a movie, I Yeah, think. I know, it was. That's, that's when I saw it. I mean, I saw this movie, then I bought the book and I read the book. Um, but, um, yeah, well, I, I'm a big Anne Bancroft fan, so, and Tony uh, Hopkins, too, so it was, you can't really go wrong with that. And Judy Dench plays Tony Hopkins' wife, you know. <laughs> That's right. You can't go wrong with Judy Dench. Uh-uh. That was before Judy Dench was famous. That was, that was one of her before Shakespeare in Love roles. Yeah, there was a few of those. Um, uh... Room with a room with a view. She was in uh-huh. that too. That was pre, um, pre Shakespeare in Love, and I I think I think he with Mussolini was also before it. She did a few of those type of movies, um, but but they told her she had she had too plain a face. Really? Yeah. Believe it or not. Oh. The, oh my gosh! I think her face is full of character. I love her face. She's got a pixie face. She's got like a little. Yes. She's yeah. like a little fairy. For, well, she plays a lot of fairies in Shakespeare. That's what she. That was what she was most famous for. Is still most famous for. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, wasn't she the fairy queen in Midsummer? I think she was. I think she was one of the fairy queens. Um. Yeah. Where she falls in love with a donkey or something. Oh, oh yeah, I could I could see that. <laughs> you know, she was recently in a uh, a fundraiser for um, the Broadway actors, I believe, of something on Broadway where they had a number of of um, people performing, and she sang "Send in the Clowns." So I. I looked that up on YouTube. It was an earlier version from maybe 10 years ago. But, oh, my gosh, she is uh, just in her face. Every little molecule on her face can convey emotion. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that I was, just it's brilliant. That was a tribute to Sondheim. Cause yes, exactly. Yeah, I, 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 I saw that they were doing that. I, I think they filmed it, so they probably will show it, like, on PBS or something. I hope so. Yeah, because there was a lot of, like, Bernadette Peters, a lot of people who did a lot of, um, a lot of Sondheim were at that tribute. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, yeah, I have I love Sondheim, so it's like... Oh, me too. You can't go wrong with Judy Dench and Sondheim, you know. <laughs> yeah, Send in the Clowns is one of my favorites of hers. She, did you know that she was the first uh, a, a woman to play the character in Cabaret that Eliza Minnelli played? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Liza. So it must have been on the British stage, I suppose. Yeah, it was on British stage first in the West End. Mm-hmm. 
And, um, yeah, Flossie picked her. And uh, she was really young. It was in the 60s. Uh-huh. And um, adorable, really cute. I don't know why anybody said she didn't have a face for movies because they showed her uh, doing the rehearsals for that. And I'm like, they're nuts. She was beautiful. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I love her. And if that's one person I would love to see on stage. I'd like to see her. That's all. Oh, me too. But I don't know that's ever going to happen. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would love to see her on stage. She's just so amazing. Her and Maggie Smith. Oh yes. I I I was I thought that they were going to have a quiet like memorial service for her at the beginning. Instead, she has this huge part in the new Downton movie. I was like, oh my god, what? Because she was like, it, it sounded like she was dying uh, at the end of the uh, last movie, and now she's a huge part. They 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 were talking about it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad. I was kind of concerned that she was being written out, so... I'm I'm glad she's got a big part. Yeah, I understand she has inherited a villa in France or something. So it's uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing. It. In fact, that is probably going to get me back into the theaters. Yeah, that's that's one I want to see too. I, well, I, I I watched the whole series. I like the new one, the the golden era, golden era, golden, the one that takes place in New York that Julian Fellows wrote. It's it's a good show, but I don't know. It doesn't have the cachet of Downton Abbey. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I I tuned into a few episodes, and it didn't grab me like Downton Abbey did. And and great actors, though. Really. Oh, absolutely. Christina Bransky is just amazing. She plays a great creep. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she she's not a nice person. <laughs> um, I uh, so the next question I want to ask you is, when did you begin writing? Were you, did you write as a child? Well, I wrote little essays and poetry and a few things like that, and then when I and then I went to college and got my degrees in English literature, and then I started working for a computer technology company that was putting together educational programs, and for them, I was writing little vignettes for a reading program, so it it kind of uh, fit into my career path to be writing little little stories, and from that, I decided that I wanted to write a novel about two women falling in love. At that point, you know, in the 80s, uh, there really was not much literature about uh, lesbians. Um, unlike today, there were just hundreds and yeah, hundreds. of a lot. Yeah. Lots and lots, and it's really exciting to see, you know, how how much there is out there. But, you know, back in those days, there really was just a handful 
And so I, uh, just in one, just mostly one women's press. So um, I, I wrote a, a suspense novel and uh, a, a little startup press picked that one up and published it. And actually, I just republished it. I rewrote it um, because I wanted to bump up the the romance. I wanted to update it. I wanted to uh, change some of the characters. And it just came out in February. It's called The Santorini Setup. It takes place in Greece. And it involves a, a classics professor who gets caught up in all sorts of intrigue on the island of Santorini. And uh, so that was kind of fun. So that was my first foray into writing. And then I wrote another uh, mystery that took place in a small town in Minnesota. And then I just kind of got away from writing. I uh, was so really busy in my career at that point and a small business owner and so I had to really dedicate myself to to my work and then I uh, after I retired I was able to devote more time to what I the type of writing I like to do and uh, so I I uh, wrote another book a non-fiction book with my wife Nancy Manahan about her sister-in-law called Living Consciously Dying Gracefully a journey with cancer and beyond and it covers the last five years of her life she was a remarkable person a psychotherapist uh, a nurse and um, a teacher and she had metastatic breast cancer but she lived fully until um, right until the end she tried all sorts of different um, alternative medicines as well as uh, the, the Western medicine. She she was a holistic nurse and uh, lived an extraordinary life right up until the end and uh, wanted her body taken care of by her family and friends. And so we did that. And out of that experience, Nancy, my wife, um, and I, along with two other people, founded the Minnesota Threshold Network, which um, deals, which is an or, uh, organization in Minnesota that deals with end of life and after life, after death care, I should say. And I wasn't doing anything with fiction until um, 19, or it, it was in 2017, actually. Nancy and I took a, a road trip from Minnesota to California to visit friends and relatives. And on the way home, well, actually, when we were out there, we heard about a cannabis product that one of our relatives found was very helpful to her. And Nancy has some health issues, and we thought that might be beneficial for her. So. We drove back to Minnesota with some product in our car that was not legal in all of the states we were passing through. And as we were driving along, I was kind of nervous about this. I, I kind of flashed on the 
the Patricia Highsmith book, The Price of Salt, which has been renamed to Carol, and it came out as the movie Carol starring Kate Blanchett about two women in the 50s who became lovers. They took a road trip um, to the West, and um, back in those days, of course, uh, their relationship was not legal, and so they were uh, kind of on the run because of, of the love for, that they had for each other. Well, Nancy and I, of course, were just, our, our questionable activity, you know, dealt with some, some cannabis product. So, but still there's that feeling. And so as we were driving across, you know, this great open expanse of the West, I just had this sense, oh my gosh, you know, we're kind of like, Carolyn and Therese, you know, going across the West, and and these two characters just popped into my head, Catherine and Ellie, and they were, and, and so suddenly I just had these two characters, and I knew that this was the book that I wanted to write about older women. Nancy and I um, were in our 60s at that time, and I thought, well, you know, this is, um, I really wanted to write a story about older women. There aren't that many positive stories about women our age, especially falling in love. And I wanted to create relatable characters who could deal with ageism and sexism and dealing with the challenges that they were facing. You know, they, given their years, they had a maturity in the way that they communicated and that they dealt with problems. And I, I just wanted to show that. Um, so basically that's where my writing started and that's where it wound up. That's interesting. I, well, when you were talking, I was thinking more Thelma and Louise. Oh, <laughs> Although that didn't yeah. end well. That does not end well, no. <laughs> but mine does. Not, mine does have a happy ending, I'm, I'm happy good. to say. That's good. <laughs> I don't know why it just popped into I guess because of two women doing illegal stuff. and Taking a road trip. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. you know, it is kind of an iconic situation. Yeah. But they, yeah. They didn't. They didn't end well. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> um. I was. I didn't know about the ending. I had. Um. I ended up seeing it on cable. I was like, Whoa! Oh, that's not good. Oh. That was a shocker, wasn't it? Oh yeah. my gosh! The theater. I could not believe it. I was really bummed about that. I just wished that there was some way they could have made it out of that situation and uh I well. mean I don't know they saved Indiana Jones from falling off a cliff on a on a uh, on a tank somehow yeah. he gets out of the tank and he lives they and all look at he Butch Cassidy dead. and the Sundance Kid yeah I mean, they were they, jumped they went in. over a big cliff and they made it yeah but, oh they could have like grabbed onto the side of the cliff and climbed up or like they did in those movies <laughs> oh, I know it. I just I was just 
surprised because they, they were like really full of life unless they wanted to do a suicide pact that's the one thing I I couldn't tell because when they at the, you know at the end they're kind of looking at each other like sort of like checking make sure both of them want to do what they're doing and stuff and I'm going well maybe they wanted to end it like that I don't um. well I, I think they were thinking do they really want to spend the rest of their lives in prison yeah and I guess they didn't yeah that's that's one way out. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but I was shocked. I honestly, I I try n uh, not to see reviews of films until after I watch it because I don't like being influenced mm -hmm. by a review. Um, because I, a lot of times I disagree with the reviewer. So I mean, why what, read a review? And then you look at reviews. Does anybody agree with me? <laughs> 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 that's the way I, I go for reviews. I like after I watch a movie or read a book, and I'll I'll read the reviews. Did anybody agree with me? Did they like it? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for for seeing or reading something with uh, fresh eyes, um, untainted uh, um, opinion going in. So, yeah, I, I can certainly see that. I I tend to read reviews and I will admit that oftentimes by the time I see the movie I have forgotten the review um, but it's at least it made it to a list of movies I want to see well it's just like I made the mistake of reading a couple of articles about uh, the new death on the Nile and I disagreed with them I didn't think it was bad as they put, made it I, and I certainly thought that Gal Gadot did a very good job. They really tore her apart, in, in, and these oh. weren't even reviews. This was just articles. They, uh -huh. it was, it was like uh, she wasn't up to par, and she didn't know how. Uh, this wasn't the. This isn't Wonder Woman. She did, had a very limited thing, and I'm like, God, what? Who do you think you are, Dorothy Parker? You know, yeah. I mean, it just, it, it was like. And I just thought it was really unfair to uh -huh. be. There were people who did a lot worse jobs than her in that movie, and it and she's, she, really and it's it's it is a very difficult part, because um, half of your character. I don't know if you've ever read or seen uh, Death on the Nile, or, or, or you know, I saw the um, original one um, that was with Peter Ustinov. Um, oh, that was way back when. Um, that what was Maggie Smith in that one? Yeah, maybe she was. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was um, the, it, the first movie from that they did was um, Murder on the Orient Express. Um, that was with Albert Finney, and then the second movie they did was Death on the Nile. And Albert Finney is the kind of guy who doesn't want to do a part twice. So they had to find another actor. Oh. <laughs> so Peter was the one that they chose. I actually, even though he wasn't anything like Agatha Christie wrote, I, 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 you don't have to be exactly like the character to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. um, and he was so adorable and fun, and and it, it just, I don't know how you cannot like Peter Ustinov. He just was really funny and adorable and 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 very serious when he had to be serious and 
you know, anyway, that's, uh, that, that wasn't that long ago, it was in the 70s, Death on the Nile. I know, but it's not like, when you say long ago, I'm thinking like the golden age, like the 50s. That's long ago to me. I mean, I'm not that old. (laughs) I wasn't around in the 50s, but to me, you know, or the the 30s, that's long ago. Uh, The 70s. Well, yeah, the golden age of movies, yeah. Yeah, that's long ago. Um, Yeah. But, um... No, I, because I, I also saw um, both Murder on the Iron Express and Death on the Nile with David Suchet on the TV series. Um, David was David is a great pro, um, and so I've seen a lot of it and I read the book and I, I I knew it was to me the new one. It was sort of like the new Great Gatsby that they did with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. It it was all the flash and glamour of it. But they instead of using the drama that Agatha wrote into Death on the Nile, they created their own drama that mm-hmm. had nothing to do with the book and nothing to do with Perot. That was that's my big disappointment in it is that I, I mean serve the writer you know I know you're, you're a screenwriter and you want you know stuff the thing is is that Kenneth was a star and I think he was trying to add depth to a character that already had depth um, that's that's my opinion and I was that's the part it, it was it was all the glamour and and all that stuff and and I I didn't even mind the melodrama that they had in the middle. It's that what they added at the beginning and they added at the end. That that was my um, problem with the movie. I'm not hmm. going to tell you what happened if you've never if you haven't seen it. I have not. But that's the no spoilers. But okay. but I just I was very disappointed by it, and I I like Kenneth. I think he's a really wonderful oh, actor writer. Too. He deserved the Oscar for um, the movie that um, what's the name of it? It's the name of an Irish city, and I can't think of the damn name of the movie. <laughs> oh, it it was. Um... Uh, the, the Irish. It was it, uh, Judy Dench played his mother. Really great yeah. movie, and I can't think of. And I'm blocking on it too. Anyway, he deserved it. That was a great film. Uh, he, it really well written, well acted, well directed. That was the opposite, in my sorry opinion, of Death on the Nile. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not, I'm not criticizing him as a writer. I'm just criticizing him as a writer for this specific movie. Belfast. Belfast! That's what I was saying. It's like, name of an Irish city. How can I not remember the name of the movie? It's the name of an Irish city. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was a really good movie. That was charming and sad and it was like everything. It was it, like I said, it deserved the Oscar. Um, 
anyway, um, do you have a favorite author that you, mine's obviously Agatha Christie. Uh, <laughs> well, Sylvia Brownrigg is one of my favorite authors. She's written uh, uh, several novels, um, Pages for You, a sequel, Pages for Her, um, uh, an, another one, oh, something room, I'm, I'm blocking on the name of it, about a, a psychologist uh, from Serbia who's in London. Um, yeah, she's, uh, she is really able to create wonderful characters. So I think uh, I would say she's probably my favorite writer. And as far as um, sapphic romances go, uh, Harper Bliss would be my favorite. I, whenever she puts out a book, I I download it, and I'm, I usually read it within two days, and oftentimes right straight through. She's got this ability to just, you know, grab me. Um, it, it's amazing how some writers can just... Uh, just from the opening paragraphs, just take you right into their world. And she's one who can do that. I like Melissa Good. Uh, the Darren Carey books. Ah. Uh, have Melissa you ever read it? Yeah, have you ever? Uh, actually, she's. Oh, I've not read her. Yeah, I, she's actually a friend. Um, but she's. Yeah, they're very popular. Um. Yeah, they're called uh, the Darn Carrie series, um, but um, that's that's one that I like. Um, but I, um, I I actually I I I have a lot of. Uh, we're doing uh, a radio play by Mary D. Brooks, who has um, a series of novels uh, about uh, Zoe and Eva. And um, this is actually the one we're doing now is, I think they're great aunts or something. I can't remember. Because uh, I, um, I got her into this, okay? She was a straight author, and I asked her to write a radio play, and now she's hooked. <laughs> so it's my fault but I really love her writing and I love her I love the radio plays and this one's really good very dramatic um, but, um, but another favorite of mine is Anne Marie MacDonald have you heard of her as the crow flies and she did she also writes plays she wrote um Good night, Desdemona. Good morning, Juliet. Um, something, something like that. It's a brilliant play about turning um, Desdemona and Juliet into not tragic figures, but uh, just how closely tragedy is actually comedy. And and she plucks these characters out of their plays and has them interact and 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 so I recall they even become lovers for a bit. It, it it's a brilliantly staged and and written um, play and he, she even has some of it in blank verse like Shakespeare. Uh, 
that would be a, a play if you have not seen it or if any of your listeners have not seen it, I would highly recommend it. Anne-Marie McDonald, and she's also a brilliant novelist. She's Canadian, and uh, I, I love her work. Well, do you know the difference between tragedy and comedy? Well, let's see. It, it's really simple. It's, yes, tragedy, tragedy is you walk down the street, you fall on a banana peel, and you smash your face in. That's tragedy. Comedy is you watch somebody walk down the street, oh. slip on a banana peel, and fall on their butt. Okay. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I got that from Mel Brooks. So I only I only quote from the best, <laughs> but that's the truth. Comedy and tragedy are so there, there, there's is the line is sometimes un you can't even see it because mm-hmm. it's so close. But I thought I I when he said that I go yeah that's like perfect. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is I like that. <laughs> but yeah, then just I, and I you, you can understand it immediately. Oh, absolutely. Yep, you've got a, a, a clear vision of uh, what the de- difference is. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, that's uh, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I I I guess a Christie wrote uh, plays, and so did. Um, oh, in fact, she still has the longest running play in the West End, The Mousetrap. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually suspended it for the pandemic, and it started again. So it's it was so it's still the longest running play on the West End. <laughs> and um, Dorothy Sayers also wrote plays. Yes, another brilliant writer. Yeah, I love Dorothy Sayers. Um, well, I was talking about Lord Peter. I learned a lot of other I. I like like Jane Austen. Uh, I I like reading books and finding new books to read by while I'm reading the books that I'm reading. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes characters in in a book are reading a book that I have to go out and read. No, it, it, sometimes it's just a reference. Uh, or or just uh, it's, sometimes it's not even that it's just like uh, uh, someone's uh, mentions it in passing and you're like oh that sounds interesting I gotta look that up I mean sometimes they're really old and out of print um, but but it's but uh, but I usually can find it I usually can find the books yeah you, it's amazing what you can dig up. You know, I was a few years ago reading Sherlock Holmes, which again is one of, one of my favorites. And Dr. Watson was reading The Frozen Pirate, and I thought, oh, well, that sounds kind of interesting. And indeed, it's a real book. Mm-hmm. The author was uh, quite popular back uh, in the days of uh, Conan Doyle, and so bless the the internet it was available and I downloaded it and read it it was it was uh, actually quite an interesting story about a, 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 a sailor who um, 
finds the, this ship with uh, frozen people on it, and one of them is this pirate who he thaws out. And anyway, it's it's quite the adventure. But yeah, you know, it's you know, I love it that there is so much available um, on on the internet if you just want to go digging and all of these so many old books are available for free even mm-hmm. um, because people have uh, have done whatever sort of whatever it takes to, to take them from these old printed books and, and digitize them. I mean actually the reason I discovered Dorothy Sayers was not in a fictional book it was in uh, Agatha Christie's autobiography and she talks about oh. how she's the best mystery writer and that she she wants she wishes she was as literate as she and all this stuff and I thought god you're to me you're the best so I got to read this other person because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had never heard of Lord Peter um this was like I read that in the 80s when I got the autobiography I read that not that long after she died I read her autobiography, and I was like, oh, so, um, yeah, I started reading the Lord Peter books because I guess Christie really admired Dorothy Sayers. I know, it's just, I, I, um, I, you can never, if you read, if you read books, you can never really run out of books because there's always a reference to another book within the book. Yes, absolutely, and and even if there isn't, the the author usually has a a list of previously published books up front that mm-hmm. you can and uh, use that as as a guide for more books. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, and it's always interesting to me to know who authors like to read because, especially if I've never heard of the person. And so I just like, oh, this sounds interesting. I have to look them up. Nine times out of ten, I end up reading them, the whole, all their books. Because uh, <laughs> usually I, I you know, because it, it, it's usually from somebody I really admire. So usually I, I'm not going to not read the book and, and say, oh, this is junk. Because it's, I don't think people that you admire would read junk. <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, now we've come to the time for you to plug your book and tell a little oh. bit about it. Oh, okay. Well, I am plugging A Light on Altered Land, which is a book about two women in their late 60s. Uh, one is a widow, a um, her partner died three years previously, and she's a lesbian. And the other is a country club divorcee. Her husband left her for a younger woman, and these two women meet in a coffee shop and get to talking and bond over the topic of downsizing. They're both trying to get out from under their two big homes and um, they develop a friendship and they take a road trip to the west coast and they pick up some cannabis product and on the way home they 
get into a little bit of trouble. So it's a, a book about uh, romance in later years, um, and I really wanted to cover uh, several topics in this book that, that have some weight, um, how, how old women deal with sexism and ageism and you know just the, the issues of, of growing old um, and also how they can help people can approach uh, uh, what challenges that what seems like a setback can open new opportunities and this happens several times in the book including what seems like a, a disaster when they are caught by the by law enforcement and actually what turns out is actually a um, something wonderful also I wanted to um, show that the art of aging and aging well that it's adapting to change and to loss and to also model some of the things that I'm interested in like um, emotional freedom technique it's a, a tapping situation and that stimulates the various acupressure points that helps the person deal with trauma and so I was able to show that in the book and and it, I especially wanted to um, model nonviolent uh, communication it's a, a process developed by uh, Marshall Rosenberg that that um, shows that the intention of communication is connection and understanding the feelings and needs of the other person in, in these two characters uh, really who have um, um, paid their dues in a way. I mean, they are, are older characters and they have developed into wise women and they are able to communicate and move to resolution when um, when things get uh, to be a, a, a little bit challenging. And um, so, you know, that's basically it. I, I wanted to show characters who older women, especially older lesbians, can relate to and, and show positive characters uh, who deal with life and challenges in a mature manner. Okay. And um, how's your um, reaction to the book? Oh my gosh, I uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, really positive reaction. Um, people are saying, "Oh my gosh, this is the first book that I can really relate to," and you know, finally, someone is writing about women my age and um, I love how much hope it gives me and I mean I've had people say that this book has changed their lives it's given them inspiration and hope and and also that it's modeled a, a way of communicating that uh, has really helped them in their relationships so it's I've been very gratified in in the reactions that I've had to the book. Um, 
And uh, where can they get it? Is it um, is it online? Is it uh, at bookstores or is it both? It's uh, it's available on Amazon, and people can get it at their local bookstores if they uh, they'll have to put in a request for it. Um, I know some people don't like to uh, deal with Amazon, so they would just as soon give their business to their favorite local bookstore. So you can get it that way. Um, you can also go to our website, nanbeck.com. That's N-A-N as in Nancy, B-E-C as in Becky, dot com. It's a combination of of uh, my wife's name, Nancy Manahan, and my name, Becky Bowen. And again, the name of the book is A Light on Altered Land. And also you can um, read about the Santorini Setup, my very latest book. It just came out. And uh, there there are videos also on that, uh, on the website. And I'm also on Facebook and on a few of the other social media. And uh, could you give your social media, like, name, on, like, Instagram or Twitter or someplace, like... <laughs> You sure. Um, say hi. Uh, yeah, Facebook. It's Becky Bowen. B O A. Excuse me. B E C K Y B O H A N. And on Twitter, it's just reversed. It's Bowen Becky uh, because there was someone with my same name who who got my who got the Twitter handle. Uh, and then uh, all all the other social media. It's it's Becky Bowen. Okay. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Well, I did, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry.